Good morning, friends. Thank you for sharing the pulpit with me this morning. I hope I can do it justice. Thank you also from the very depths of my being for the grace, the care, and generosity that has been so warmly extended both to me and to my husband Peter sitting over there as we've walked through both this candidating process and some recent challenges while eagerly awaiting our first baby. Thank you for your flexibility and for your love. I feel tremendously blessed to be with you all this morning. For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Allie Kralovic Kircher, which is a bit of a mouthful, so just Allie is totally fine by me. I use she, her pronouns, but anything used in love is also fine by me. Today, I have the privilege of being part of welcoming you to Christian worship this morning. Christian worship is so many things. It is an experimental and brave space. It is a celebratory space. It is a space of tradition. It is a space of music and joyful noise. It is a place to pause. It is come-as-you-are space. It is a comfort space. It is a sacred love and be loved space. It is all of this and so much more because you are here. And because where two or more are gathered in love, our God arrives in all manner of stunning ways to bless the space between us. This is Christian worship. And everyone, everyone, everyone is so very welcome here. This morning, we jump back into an exploration of 1 Samuel. In past weeks, it's been a few weeks since we've touched 1 Samuel, but we're jumping back into it. So in past weeks, you've learned a little bit about Samuel's kind of unlikely existence, about his devotion to God um, and his devotion to Israel. Um, and some of the bits and pieces of his own really interesting journey. This week, we join Samuel in the following passage. Now, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his secondborn son, Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba, Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are now old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us, like all the nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And so Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done, 
from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so that they are also doing this to you now. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and to plow his ground and to reap his harvests and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers. He will take your male servants and your female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and they will put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flock and they shall be and you shall be his slaves and in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves but the lord will not answer you that day but the people refused to obey the voice of samuel and they said no but there shall be a king to rule over us and that we so that we may be like all the nations and so Samuel heard all the words of the people. He repeated them to the ears of God. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. To give us just a little bit more context this morning, we continue on to a few more passages in the story, and here we learn of this man named Saul. We learn his genealogy, but scripture also really wants us to know what a good-looking guy Saul is. Going so far as to mention it three times across one very brief stanza. So, we have a general sense of who he is, but also that he's apparently a real hunk by Old Testament standards. He has a lot of earthly appeal. He is seemingly everything the world would have him be. We come to know more about how Samuel handles this transition and the ways in which he greets Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who goes searching for his father's donkeys and winds up leading the people of Israel into some precarious scenarios and majorly disobeying God while he's at it. But for now, I'd like us to focus on an earlier part of the text where the people of Israel ask for a king because over and over and over again we hear a similar theme. Waiting matters. The people of Israel demanded that Samuel reveal their king sometime before God intended for them to even have a king. In this rejection of God, Israel reveals a very human and honestly very understandable trait. 
impatience. Israel looked around and saw that other nations had kings to judge them and rule over them, providing a level of protection. It's not inherently wrong that Israel should want this kind of person to look after them and lead them. It wasn't the wanting that displeased God. It was the manner in which they went about brushing the plot, forcing Samuel's hand, and failing to do the all-important work of waiting. Now, waiting in our culture gets a pretty bad rap. And it is all that much harder to wait well, to keep the love going amidst the waiting, when others have something you feel you should also have. My husband and I waited what felt like an eternity to be able to have a baby. And as excited as we were for family and friends and all those in our lives who reached that stage before us, it was also really hard to watch others have a joy we so wished we could have. I know I didn't always wait well. I didn't always look to what season of in-between as worthwhile time when important things were still happening all around me and vital relationships were still present and needing my attention. I wanted what I wanted and I wanted it now. Those of you who, are current, who currently have or who have ever parented toddlers know a little bit about what this is like. In toddler psychology, we call it tolerance challenge, which I think applies pretty well to grown-ups, too. We, too, sometimes face challenges when trying to tolerate a gap that we feel shouldn't be there, and we want what we want, and we want it now. Maybe you're waiting in a long pharmacy line, or you're on hold with your insurance company over a time-sensitive issue. Maybe you're waiting for the plumber, and you have about a dozen errands to run, but they gave you that like four-hour window and no indication as to when they're actually going to show up within that window. I've got some head nods. People have been through this. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> and so your agenda, your lists, your timeline is kind of forfeit in those moments. And it's frustrating. So let's sit with that for a moment while we head back into Samuel and Saul. So when the prince the people want, Saul, goes to meet the prophet Samuel for the first time, Samuel greets him with a meal prepared for nearly 30 others. Samuel signals to his cook and tells him to bring Saul the portion of the feast set aside for this time set aside for Saul. The cook then brings an uncustomarily large portion of food, which Samuel instructs Saul to eat, because this is the time for which this is appropriate. The food has been kept specifically until this time. As the story moves on and Samuel tells Saul that he shall be anointed the prince of Israel, who will guard them against their enemies in neighboring lands, we reach a point where he gives a, a fairly detailed set of instructions. He sends Saul forth to go meet several prophets to whom he himself will prophesy. After certain signs have occurred in the life of Saul, Samuel tells him that he must wait seven days for what is to come. A challenging threshold when there's so much that's being set in motion about your life. 
yeah, 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 we've, we've promised you all these things, but you got to wait seven days and then, you know, then we'll get to more of it. That's a hard call, right? And in slight spoilers for what is to come, Saul proves a little less than ideal in terms of patience and waiting, eventually causing some really dire consequences across the lives of the people of Israel. So what does this ancient text have to do with our daily lives? Our faith asks seemingly impossible things of us. Things like believe when you cannot see, hope when everything seems dire, and wait when, oh my goodness, it would be so much easier not to. But we do these things because they are a testament of our faith. Because amidst all that is difficult, we have a God of unrelenting love, who waits for us, who works through us, who loves through us, who comes to be among us to show us a better way of understanding one another and more fully loving one another, a God who is both so urgent and so patient at the same time. And y'all, if that isn't worth waiting for, I don't know what is. The Irish poet and theologian Padraig Otuma writes, I do not know if God stumbles over me where I sit, but I know it is a good idea to sit anyway. And so I sit and I wait and I greet the morning over the Belfast skyline. Hello, I say. Hello. What if we greeted moments or seasons of waiting with that very powerful word? Hello. Hello to the person in line behind me, a long, long pharmacy line, and hello to a conversation we might, have had, might not have had otherwise, if things had gone as efficiently as we hoped they always would. Hello to a sunset we might not get to see on a drive home from yet another kiddo carpool and a day of waiting alongside other parents and caregivers. Hello to the season of uncertainty in front of me. Hello to the God at work while I wait. This very community stands at a threshold, ready to call a part-time minister, awaiting very bravely what is to come. And you waited when it wasn't easy to do so. You waited when it would have perhaps been easier not to. You continued to seek when settling may have been more comfortable. You kept together and you kept the faith when it would have been easy to be the Israel who demanded a king, the Israel who couldn't wait to be like everybody else. But Israel missed out on more than just being like other nations. Sometimes, when we rush, we cannot hear warnings, like Samuel's dire warnings to Israel about the kind of leader they could expect if they rushed the plot and continued to demand a king in order to be like everybody else. Samuel tries to dissuade the people by telling them all manner of traits of the leader they can anticipate. He will take your children 
and he will use them as mechanisms of state for his own gain. He will take a percentage of everything you own and have worked for. He will enslave you. He will cause enormous grief. In telling Israel, and subsequently us, all about the pitfalls of their leader to come, God, through Samuel, tells us what a leader should be. In stark opposition to the rushed leadership of Saul and an impatient Israel, we learn that a leader's orientation shouldn't be to self. A leader shouldn't take, but give and receive in reciprocal community. A leader listens for the story within a reaction and waits for the wisdom to respond to a given scenario. A leader pauses when it might be easier to proceed full steam ahead in order to move at an all-important speed of trust. A leader doesn't hold on to what is popular, as is Israel's hope, over what is right. And a leader recognizes that there is no one-size-fits-all formula for how community should look. We do the work of figuring that out together. A good leader is willing to wait and to see in that waiting an opportunity to do the abiding work of love. Across 1 Samuel, we are compelled to await God's timing because it is infinitely better than what our agendas are trying to accomplish. And all the while, we must still hold fast to the wisdom of the Spirit at work. It's nothing short of deeply challenging to do so, especially when our own plans and agendas seem to get us from point A to point B with so much more efficiency. God always planned to give Israel a king, but in our messy human rush, we pushed a bit too quickly, and we weren't quite ready. We had trouble sitting in the sacred space of waiting. And you know what? Christians lead lives filled, filled with holy waiting. Our liturgical seasons of Christmas, awaiting the birth of Christ, of Lent when we await Easter morning, and then when we await Pentecost and the coming of the Spirit. All throughout Scripture, we are faced with this human urgency that's only tempered by holy waiting. Christ was the very epitome of holy waiting. Jesus became flesh and came to live among us for 30 years before his ministry began. And we know it's easier said than done to wait sit in traffic, waiting to hear back from an employer about a job opportunity, watching the little typing icon on your phone as you wait to get a text message back from someone, constantly refreshing your email um, while you anxiously await a response from someone. For those still in school who remember uh, tests and waiting for test results to get back, and those who have asked someone out to prom and there was a bit of delay in their response, those who ask someone out on a date and there's a delay in their response, right? It's hard to sit in these threshold spaces. It's hard to wait. We wait all the time. We don't always do it well. 
We honk our horns in frustration and we close off some beautiful opportunities to wait alongside others. And yet, here we are, where it's easiest to be Israel, to want leadership in an expedited fashion and responses in a timely manner, and just to be like everybody else. Instead, we are called to occupy those threshold spaces, the stages, the eras, the moments that require us to look beyond our own timelines and agendas. God awaits us in the space beyond time. And if we're careful, if we pay attention, oh, there is so much that stands to greet us while we wait. We're called away from this Amazon Prime next day shipping version of faith and into a very different timeline. But this is where it's easy to get confused. We aren't called to a totally passive life that just ambles on without true presence. The greatest commandment we live in is to love. And love is an urgent agenda. But love, as we know from St. Paul, is patient. Love endures the tests of time and the pace of life and this culture, this culture of immediacy. And we know, those of us who have loved, that love waits up at night. Love waits in carpool lines and hospital emergency rooms and on the other end of the telephone. Love both fills time and passes time so very differently. We'll learn in later weeks a little bit about what might have happened and who would have been called as king over Israel initially if Israel had perhaps waited and learned to lean into the love while they did. We'll learn a little bit about, more about Saul and his ways, and then we'll learn about David, but all in good time. In the meanwhile, however, we wait together, and we wait with and in love. Together we pause and listen to the many stories within our midst. We stop the clock on the culture of right now, and we open the door to the possibility and to the power of what-ifs and timelines that are so different from our own. Together, we breathe in and out, and we practice the work of love, while waiting on perfect love, on Christ, who arrives when least expected. My siblings in Christ, I pray that together we can do the work of holy waiting, that we can look to the truths within ourselves and one another without placing too much stock on what others might be doing. I pray that within our waiting, we are visited by all manner of magical things, things our own agendas may have missed. May we work together to listen deeply to the story within, finding traces of the divine everywhere we look. May we serve not a human king, but the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus, who came so that we may come to know love and leadership can happen in the very same breath.